0: Hi, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing day. So the title of this podcast is how I was able to retire at 55. And I know some of you know me and say, hey, wait a minute. You didn't retire at 55. You were 57. You know what? Yep, you're right. I was 57. But the fact is I could have retired at 55 based on the following approach. I was just having a little bit too much fun at work in my last few years to want to retire that early. So that all said what did we do to be able to retire at 55? My first tip is to get a professional advisor. Sometimes this can either be the scariest or the least thought about tip. I know it's daunting to figure out who do you work with or on the flip side many people go you know what I'm just gonna go it alone don't need any professional advice. Many people think they can get by with their smarts and advice from their friends um, or what they read on Reddit. Trust me, The mistakes you can make by venturing out on your own just by what you know, what you read on Reddit, or getting tips from your buddies, that can become expensive, if not, wipe you out completely overnight. Some financial advisors, are what we call fiduciaries, and fiduciaries are obligated by law to act in your best interest as they manage your assets or money. So that's a part that I think people get scared about. Is they say, "Well, aren't these guys just gonna be, uh, you know, doing it for their own self interest and make commissions?" Yeah, y- the fact is, there are advisors out there who are not fiduciaries and they do things like recommend insurance policies or investments, um, uh, in pursuit of just fees and commissions for their self-interest. You want to stay away from those advisors and work with a fiduciary advisor who is obligated to make recommendations that benefit you. Look, the benefits of a fiduciary are clear. Americans who enlist fiduciary advisors report increased investment gains and benefits from increased assurance regarding their financial decisions. This is scary stuff. This is your life savings. So, you know, a lot, you, you know, I'm not saying don't go do your own research, but combine that with some professional advice, it will give you more assurance and peace of mind. In fact, a 2019 Northwestern Mutual study found that U.S. adults who work with financial advisors reports, quote, sustainably greater financial security, confidence, and clarity than those who go it alone. And so, you know, working with an advisor isn't just about pure performance, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it, but there is something about this confidence and the clarity that you gain from working with a trusted professional. So look, a fiduciary advisor, they're going to be able to go over all the tips that I'm about to talk about. um, And they can share that in much more detail and answer all your questions. Because you know what? Yeah. Investing, if you haven't done it before, it can be a really scary endeavor. The firm I work with is called the Magnolia Group At Morgan Stanley. I'm going to put the contact information in the show notes, but if you just search the Magnolia group at Morgan Stanley, you should be able to find them online. That's tip number one. Tip number two, think about investing for retirement as a marathon and not a sprint. If you've got a Robinhood account and you're day trading or you're frequently trading stocks based on timing the market and quickly turning over stocks based on what you read on Reddit or tips from your buddies, you know what? I'm going to classify that you're gambling and you're not investing for the long haul. Hey, And look, look, I'm not saying don't do that. If you want to dabble in the stock market to try to make a quick buck, go ahead but you need to understand that's not a sound strategy to plan for retirement. As I said, to me, it's gambling. You could do, you could lose everything overnight, as many people on Robin Hood do. But here's the thing. They don't tell you about that. They don't post that on Twitter or Reddit when they lose everything, right? They're only posting when they're making a killing. It's the same thing of, you know, when... Uh, people I know go to casinos. Oh, yeah, I just won $600 at the table. Yeah, tell me about all the times you lost six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800. No one does that, right? So don't chase tips that you read on the internet or hear from your friends, right? Change your mindset that investing for retirement is for the long haul. And this is going to set you up for how you think about your strategy. Tip number three. Start as early as possible. What's going to allow you to retire early isn't the principal, you know, the the amount of money that you put in. It's going to be all of that compound gains that you make over the decades, right? It is never. And I'm going to emphasize never too early to start investing. So if you have kids, start setting money aside for them in simple things like savings accounts, right? If you're old enough and you have a job, you can even open an IRA at any age, right? But you do need to earn an income to contribute to it, right? And we'll talk about IRAs in a minute and what the benefits are there. The point of this tip is let the compound growth work for you. The more time you have, the better. Now, with that said, it's also never too late to start, right? Sure, starting earlier has its benefits. But regardless of your age, starting to invest wisely is better than not investing wisely at all, right? Just throwing it in a savings account or something like that. So regardless of how old you are, I would still go talk to an advisor about strategy because most likely, even with the short runway that you may have, my, my bet is you'll still come out ahead if you're investing versus just let your money sit in a savings account. Tip number four, and this really starts the whole investing process, right? It's set up retirement goals based on a time horizon. And this can be Something simple. Start with something simple like I'd like to retire when I'm 55, right? Because look, if you're young, I'm sure this is a really hard question. It's it's kind of like the question you get when when you're in middle school and they go, Yeah, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're like, well, fuck, I don't know, right? So the point is you need to start somewhere and you need to start with a goal that is time-based. The time horizon part is really important because it can dictate many other parts of your strategy, like how much do you need to save and invest at each stage in your life? It can also determine the types of investments you make along the way, right? That long road to retirement. And we'll talk about more about those different types of investments in a second, but so Start with a goal that's time-based. And look, don't worry if you don't know the answer now, right? Talk to your advisor and come up with some initial goal. And there, you know, within that, they're going to ask you some things along the way, like, do you intend to plan for, you know, college? Do you intend to pay for weddings? Do you want to buy a boat along the way? What, Whatever, right? All of, so it's not just retirement. What, 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 um, talking to an advisor is going to do is help you figure out how you get to retirement, including how you're going to live your life until you get there, right? So all of that goes into you know, being able to set up this goal and figuring out how are you gonna get there based on the lifestyle you choose. And hey, you know, some of you out there probably are choosing lifestyles that you go to advisor and they're gonna say, well, my friend, I'm gonna tell you, if that's your goal, you can't get there living the lifestyle that you live. And you need somebody to tell you that, because it's probably true. But You can always adjust these goals when things change, right? Look, life is a long haul and things change, but at least set a goal to get the process going so you can get a sense of how the investment process works and how much savings you should be investing based on your goal. And this may be the wake up call for you to say, you know what, if you truly want to retire at 55, do you need to buy that boat, you know, when you're 40, you know? whatever but this is where you you know these types of conversations come out tip number 5 focus on saving a percentage of your salary not a finite amount right focus on because that's the only thing you can control you can't control how much salary you're making. You may have a job, you may not have a job, right? But what the and you don't control how much return you get on your investment. About the only control you have in this whole shebang here, this whole thing, is how much you save as a percentage of what you make. And this is going to do a couple of good things, right? It's going to get you into the habit of always putting aside part of your paycheck into some type of savings vehicle, some savings investment vehicles. And, you know, some of these professional advisors do charge a minimum. So if you can't meet the minimum, then at least put that money into a savings account until you can meet those minimums to start working with these professional advisors. Once you start working with these advisors continue to give them that percentage to invest for the long term. And this, this will get you into a lifelong habit of carving out part of your income toward your future. If you start doing this early, trust me, you will not miss that money. If you start getting into this habit early, you're going to, when you get a paycheck, you're going to just automatically compartmentalize part of it for this purpose, right? So, You'll be able to learn to make do with the rest of your budget. And look, everyone has their own set of guidelines about how much you should set aside. You know, do whatever works for you. But I would consider three categories of money, right? This is how I've always considered money. Number one is the money you want to put away for retirement that you will never touch until you retire. And that's what, you know, that's the money you regularly send to your advisor. Usually we were, you know, we, we send it quarterly. Number two is money you put into like a savings account in your bank. That's, that's money that you need for short-term emergencies, like a car repair or, or some people even save for a vacation that way. Right. And then three, there's money you're going to spend at your discretion and Unfortunately for most of us it's just paying for bills and generally living daily expenses going out to eat whatever entertainment right here's a hint by the way if you don't have a budget for number 3 that 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 daily amount of money that you spend you will most likely never get number one and two to materialize, which is number one again was the money you put toward retirement and number two is the money you have for emergency savings. So get into the practice of looking at your income and creating this ratio, this percentage of three things, right? And look, it it may start with number three and start carving out portions for number one and two. Uh, But again, start with a budget for number 3. And and you know what? When you talk to your advisor, you may realize you might need to tighten your budget, right? Because if you've never gotten into this habit of savings, you're probably spending everything you make, right? So, I advise establishing a good ratio that works for you that accomplishes a couple of things, right? A, so you you save enough to meet your long-term requirements, but B, here's another goal, right? Don't save so much that all you're doing is working toward retirement and not enjoying your life. You work hard for that money, so you need to enjoy it, or you might regret saving and investing and abandon the practice altogether. So again, your financial advisor is going to be able to help you with that recommended ratio based on your retirement goals. Remember, these are your goals. They're not your advisor's goals. These are your goals, right? This is, um, here's another tip. It's kind of like tip number five B. If you have credit card debt, my advice is number A, stop charging anymore on your credit card. You can't afford it, right? Just, you got to stop. And B, use all of your money To pay for that credit card debt first before you go off and put money in savings, right? And here's the reason why I advise this, right? The reason for this is while possible, it's unlikely that the stock market is gonna sustainably, which is key, sustainably return more in your investment, right? Than the interest you're paying on your credit cards. Look, hey, sure. The S and P five hundred, which is considered a benchmark measure for annual stock returns, look in the last year returned almost twenty four percent. But that's unusual, so don't use this past year as oh hey, you know um, I'm going to invest all my money in the stock market, and even though my credit card is charging me twenty two percent, I'll still come out at no. It on average, the stock market returned ten percent. Average annual return rate for almost 100 years, right? Um, I I actually use a more conservative number than that, significantly more conservative. The average credit card currently charges about 17%, but you go check your own. I, I've seen it as high as 22, even 24%, right? So if you're getting charged more on your credit card, then honestly, I, I wouldn't invest any money yet. I would pay off your debts, right? So that's tip number five, focus on savings, saving a percentage of your salary and paying off your debt. You know what? That, that should have been a whole tip all by itself, pay off your debts. Tip number six, when you start investing, you're going to need to understand risk and your risk tolerance. So I don't know how new you are, but Hey, guess what? The stock market is not a guaranteed thing. First, let's talk about risk. You may have heard about the spring of 2020, if you've been following the stock market at all, or even if you even had the TV on, you know, um, March, you know, February, March of 2020, pretty much March, you, you probably saw that the stock market dropped dramatically, basically due to uncertainty brought on by COVID. The markets just hate uncertainty. In fact, Uh, Just yesterday, when they talked about the Omicron um, variant, boom, stock market dropped dramatically, but it's already bouncing back today. But you may have thought that was a disaster, but if you talk to anyone who stayed invested, they will most likely tell you that not only have they recovered, but they're doing much better today than they were on March 8th when it hit rock bottom. So yeah, you need to understand that the stock market is a volatile entity, right? But risk in general, I want you to think about risk as two things, right? Number one, risk is about the probability of something bad that's going to happen, right? And number two is, if it does happen, if it happens, what is the severity and the impact of that bad thing to you? So again, you need to understand that the stock market does have volatility. It goes up, but it does go down, right? But as my advisor, Don Whitehead of the Magnolia Group at Morgan Stanley once told me, he said, think of the stock market performance like a ball that's bouncing. It bounces up, but it bounces down. But in the long run, as long as it's a ball that's bouncing up a hill, you'll be okay, You know, that said, watching your hard-earned money losing value versus the security of having it under your mattress and never lose value, albeit it doesn't gain value, watching your money lose value for the first time, it can be a very unnerving thing when you first start investing. This is where a professional advisor can tailor your investment strategies to your risk tolerance you may also be at different stages in your life. The younger you are, you may tend to be able to tolerate more risk since you have time on your side to recover, right? If, if something does go bad in the stock market. Um, and you may want to focus also on growing wealth when you're younger, because that typically has a higher risk to those types of investments. If you're much older You may want to consider a more conservative strategy that focuses more on preserving the wealth that you've built over time versus the higher risk of growing it very aggressively. So the takeaway from this tip is to understand that there is risk in the market and you should understand what your risk tolerance is when investing. Tip number seven, diversify your portfolio. So assuming that you're talking to an advisor now, well, even if you're not, diversify your portfolio, regardless of how old or young that you are, you need to diversify your portfolio. I'll argue that if you don't have a diversified portfolio, you're not investing in your retirement. You're gambling. Again, if you're throwing all your money into one thing, then you're hoping that that one thing is sustainable sustainably going to perform for you. And that's just not going to happen, right? Now, that said, I didn't say that the percentage mix you need to have in your portfolio. I, did, I didn't talk about that, right? So you have to have a diversified portfolio. That said, when you're younger, you may be able to tolerate more a more aggressive portfolio so you can invest in higher percentage growth stocks, for example. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have fixed income in your portfolio, right? Though, remember what happened in the spring of 2020, right? When the stocks, when the equities dropped, some of those fixed income investments helped to buffer some of that drop, some of it, right? So if you were 100% invested in equities, especially in the non-tech in the spring of 2020, you would have taken a beating, a, a, a severe beating. But if you had a diversified portfolio, look, look I'm not going to tell you, almost everybody lost in the spring of 2020. But those with diversified portfolios didn't lose as much, right? Um, look, I know I'm using terms you don't know. Don't worry about it. The main point of this tip is to take your money and spread it around and create a diversified portfolio. Now, for the love of all things good, do not, and I'm going to repeat, do not do this thing that I hear people doing, and that is, they work for this company. Um, the last one I heard about was this person that works for Amazon, and they just love Amazon stock, and they think Amazon stock is doing great. So they work for this company, right? And and here's the deal, right? E- if you're currently working for that company and even if that company's stock is currently doing great that doesn't all that that may not always be the case so what they do is people somehow seem to feel comfortable with the fact that i know this company the stock looks like it's doing great they feel secure because they work there so what they do is they take all of their 401k and they invested in the company stock if the stock if the company offered a stock purchase plan they go buy the company stock here's the thing if that company were to ever hit hard times and you get laid off well number 1 your salary is gone and most likely if they're hitting hard times then their stock is dropping so all your retirement savings also get wiped out right you saw this with enron and with just a lot of look any company that hits hard times that lays off their workers and their stock drops you're gonna be in the situation where everything you have just goes down the tube this this is you know this is the value of diversifying so if i'm working for a company even if the company's doing great hey you know what That that's fine But take your 401k money, even if, you know, and they can match it for you and go invest it outside the company, right? That's what diversifying is all about, right? So please, please, please diversify. Tip number eight, be a tax efficient investor. There's two types of investment accounts. There's taxable accounts and there's tax advantaged accounts, so a simple brokerage account, right, like your Robinhood account, right, um, it's an example of a taxable account. A, a, a taxable account. These accounts don't have any tax benefits, but they offer fewer restrictions and more flexibility than tax advantage accounts such as IRAs and four hundred one k's. But Unlike an IRA or a 401k with a brokerage account, you can withdraw that money at any time for any reason with no tax penalty at all, right? So it's got some advantages, but it's got some disadvantages. Tax advantage accounts are generally either tax deferred or even tax exempt. Tax deferred accounts such as traditional IRAs, 401k plans, they provide an upfront tax break you may, as I was able to, you may be able to even deduct your contributions to these plans, which provides an immediate tax benefit. So you, your taxable income for the year is less. So let's say you were making, I don't know, I'll make it up. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars and you were allowed to deduct the uh, contribution to your 401k and it was $10,000, uh, just simple. I am it, it's, it's, simple math, then you would only be taxed on $90,000, right? So you pay taxes on these tax advantage accounts. You pay taxes when you withdraw the money in retirement, when you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, right? Which means that your tax is deferred. Also, if you have kids that you want to put through college, I would very much um, recommend that you look into investing into 529s or your state's education plan. Um, the bottom line here is that you really should contribute as much as possible in my opinion right to tax advantage accounts like your company's 401ks, your IRAs and your 529s. I've always contributed the maximum to my company's 401k, every year. And here's the thing about it. That money comes out of your paycheck before you even see it. So remember when I gave you that tip about carve out a certain percentage for your, your, um, invest your your retirement investments, some for your savings and some for your paycheck. This is a part of the way that you can do that easily. I I never saw that money in my take-home pay. So I just got used to living life without it. Right. So I've always contributed the maximum to my 401k every year, especially since for many of those years, I work for companies that match my 401k contributions to a certain amount. Yeah, that's right. Free money, right? Also consider the 529s if you have kids that you're putting through college, right? With a 529, any earnings you accrue are tax deferred while invested and tax free when used for qualified education expenses. 529s generally are going to have a higher return rate and tax advantage growth as compared to sticking your kids' college money into some low yielding savings account, some bank account. So, um, last tip is you know, work. So, when you're picking a fiduciary advisory, work with fee only advisories right so this is how the financial advisors make money two ways right they will either make a money by charging you a fee which fiduciary advisors typically do or they make a make money charging you commissions right so this is probably the same tip as tip number one but i'm going to reiterate when selecting an advisor work with the fee only fiduciary advisors who are obligated by law to act in your best interest as they manage your assets or money rather than anybody who can just slap a title on themselves I I don't even know if you have to get certified because I don't work with these kind of people rather than financial advisors who are operating out of self-interest right recommending things like insurance policies or investments that they the, you know, get fees and commissions from. And so the more they sell these, they get more commissions, right? They don't care how well the, the the portfolio performs as long as they got their commission, right? So I started working with a guy named Don Whitehead with the Magnolia Group at Morgan Stanley when I was 36 years old. And yeah, while I had some money, uh, we were far from retiring, for over 22 years don was our trusted advisor that patiently guided our family through some pretty tough times like the depression of 2008 when i called him screaming and panicking right and most recently the spring of 2020 right by applying these general tips that i just gave you for how long to plan for retirement for for how to plan for retirement and working with Don on our de- on the details of our strategy, that's how I was able to retire at 55. I hope you enjoyed this chat. If you did, please subscribe. And if you know someone else who may like these types of chats, please share the podcast with them as well. Thanks for listening.